Hello and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your host, Casey Maluli, and we're here for episode 384. Brendan and I this week continue talking about retirement withdrawal strategies. Specifically, this week we talk about the 4% rule, which is a rule of thumb in the retirement space, and and what the new research is saying about what the new quote-unquote right rate of withdrawal is for a retiree that's drawing down their portfolio. As always, we appreciate you listening. Here is episode 384. Got on this topic because of a recent article from the Wall Street Journal talking about a long-standing rule of retirement, that being the 4% rule, which the article, the, the headline was, the 4% rule is getting a haircut. So this was, the article was based on a recent study from Morningstar that suggested that the 4% rule is out of date and that the the new number is 3.3%. So the 4% rule has been a rule of thumb for retirees. And the rule says that you should take no more than 4% of your portfolio's value in the first year of retirement. And then moving forward, you use that 4% number and you take that withdrawal rate and you adjust it for inflation each year and you should be good to go and and not run out of money in retirement. Mm -hmm. So the new report from Morningstar suggests that retirees should take no more than 3.3% of their portfolio value in the first year and this is the study was assuming a 30 year retirement and someone with a 50 50 portfolio. So 50% of their portfolio in stocks, 50% in bonds. So if someone were to have a $1 million portfolio with 3.3% rule, they would withdraw $33,000 in their first year as opposed to 4% would be $40,000. The Morningstar study. It was largely based on like expected returns and how they're going to be lower moving forward than they have been over the last 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And the one, at least the Wall Street Journal article, the one stat they threw out was the PE ratio. And we've right. talked about that before, how like, just because it's high or above average doesn't mean necessarily that stocks have to fall in order for that to adjust. Right. I, I think that the thing with that, though, is like people like mock the returns will be lower going forward thing because people have been saying that using things like PE or other ratios for a long time. And it hasn't it hasn't necessarily happened um, over the short term. Like we've had a ton of years since like the financial crisis, basically, where we've compounded now at 15 or 20 percent on stocks for a decade. But it depends on like where you're starting from. The last time PEs were like totally out of whack was 99, 2000. And if you use that as a starting date from then through today, we have compounded at something like eight or 9%, which is on the low. Like it's, I don't know. I think they use the last 20 years PE ratio. Okay. But the returns meaning like people will say yeah. like returns haven't been lower. We made 20% last year. It's like, well, you can... You can simultaneously like make a lot of money in one year, but still be below trend depending on where you're measuring from. And so if you're measuring from the last time the PEs were like out of whack like this, yeah, returns were lower on a go forward basis from 2000. Right. In fact, the 10 year compounded growth rate from 2000 to 2010 was like 1% mm. like annual per year. So it's, you know, I think that's the sort of thing you're trying to 
at least consider when you're thinking about returns might be lower on a go forward basis. It, it's I think it gets conflated because over the super long term, like a 30 year retirement, I'd argue that starting valuations don't matter a ton because over like 20 or 30 or 40 years, we'll probably compound at something close to the historical averages, whether we're starting at a high point or a low point for the PE ratio. So the, the super long term probably takes care of itself. The short term is shrug emoji, like anybody's guess, uh, because it's just a one year period. I think what PEs are trying to tell us pertains to like an intermediate term period. And I think that because of that, sometimes it gets chalked up to like this stuff doesn't matter. I think that it does matter. I, I think that it is important to consider that. So I, I mostly buy into their idea of PEs are high, starting yields on bonds are low. Our expectations should be set accordingly it kind of goes in with what we talk about too where i know we've we've talked about it sometimes where we would rather assume lower returns moving forward Mm -hmm. because that builds in that margin of safety into the plans yeah but also like you let that guide the process of the portfolio too like how much risk needs to be taken how much risk do we need to accept for the plan to work. And I think that super low yields on bonds, high valuations on stocks, like you, you have to consider both of those. It's like, so on one hand, you don't want to have too much in bonds because they're not really yielding anything. On the other hand, if stock valuations are super high, you can't be a hundred percent in those either to just try to get, you know, a higher uh, distribution rate maybe because you, you think that, you know, all else equal, like more money in stocks should throw off more money, meaning you can draw a higher percentage of the portfolio because you you need to have some money in bonds to help with distributions uh, over the years too. So it, it's interesting when you look at probability of success along with the portfolio allocations on a scale of all in bonds to all in stocks. It's it's interesting because the, the best probabilities of success, like the best paths over time for most retirements end up being the blend. Whereas like you, you might be led to believe like the more money in stocks, the higher probability of success, but that caps out at a certain point when you're looking at it. So like there's for a lot of retirees, if you're taking distributions from a portfolio, there's there's not a big incremental benefit past uh, like 70 percent or so in stocks, because when you're taking distributions from the portfolio, you could actually be in a disadvantage by having more than that in stocks because you're pulling directly from the market. And if you're taking distributions and the portfolio is down, you're worse off than somebody who was 70-30 or 80-20 and can pull from the bonds in the portfolio that aren't down. Right. So it just it reaches a point where there, there's too much stress on, on the portfolio. And then, you know, that causes you to be reactionary instead of proactive. Right. It'd be interesting. We're at this point in time where, like, they're, they're talking about you know, P ratios and interest rates where they are and then and then considering that and then the impact it'll have on withdrawal rates in retirement. Wouldn't it be great to know the reverse of that? Meaning that we were at a point in time where the four percent rule could grow out its hair instead of getting a haircut, so to speak. Like I, I think the point in time where that would happen, it would seem so counterintuitive probably because the the at least in terms of like forward returns for the market, forward returns for the market like best when we're in the midst of a downturn or a crash. So like end of 2008, beginning of 2009, I guess you had to 
take the downturn to get there, but like your go forward returns on the stock side of your portfolio probably looked awesome at that point in time. So like your 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 distribution rate could have maybe been higher than four percent from there forward, which is pretty counterintuitive because you were yeah no one was thinking that. You were probably <laughs> super upset at that point in time, considering the way the market had performed right. for about a year. Yeah, um, investor psychology at that point was just like yeah people were looking hold to, on like, to what you have as opposed to uh, you know if anything I would I would say you know, obviously with the benefit of hindsight that if you were yeah. in your 50-50 portfolio then going to like 60-40 or 70-30 been like a really wise move and that would that was a point that i think christine benz from morningstar uh was quoted in the article as saying that the worst time to retire is when valuations go forward valuations are highest your account balance is probably the highest it's ever been when right. when those conditions are occurring but yeah also like on a go forward basis from there maybe the expectations for returns should be lower considering the good run that you're coming off of and the cyclical nature of markets it's definitely counterintuitive and that's something that we we talk about all the time with you know sequence of return risk i think that that the timing of when you're getting the returns once you hit retirement the sequence of returns on your investments from that point forward really does affect the plan and and definitely has an impact on things like withdrawal rates and you know just how much you can be pulling off off of the plan moving forward right so like if you if you have a 20 let's say for simplicity's sake you have a 20 year retirement and you compound at 10% a year but you take a path where the first the first 10 years are really good and the, the second 10 years are really bad for market returns. Mm-hmm. You could average the same exact returns over a reversed 20-year period. And if you're a retiree taking distributions, you could be in a lot of trouble, even yeah. with the same average annual returns if you got the, the bad decade first and the good decade second. Yeah. You got you to survive the bad decade to get to the good one. Right. Whereas in the first scenario, you've survived the good decade you're probably tracking above trend in terms of what uh expectations were at retirement and then sure the bad market in the second decade um is no fun it never is uh but you're in such good shape from having done well uh beforehand that you end up okay whereas uh if you don't survive the bad decade in in the reverse scenario then uh maybe you don't you don't get to reap as much of the reward of the good decade because not only were you in a bad market before that but you were withdrawing through that bad market so so that like especially if you're not adjusting along the way on that withdrawal rate because it it talks about in the article whereas if you're taking four percent from a million dollar portfolio and then your portfolio declines to seven hundred fifty thousand I think that 4% then becomes like in between 6 and 7%. Sure, things, and, get, things get messy quick. Yeah, and that's when things, you know, you do a couple years of that and then the market's still sluggish and you're going to be in some trouble, like mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah, I think some of, some of the ways that retirees could combat this if they, if they do want to do a withdrawal rate over 3.3%, I mean, you got to factor... Like $33,000 doesn't sound like a lot. If you have a million dollar portfolio, you got to factor in other things like pension income, social security, Part, part-time employment, part-time employment. It's, it's, you know, situational and that may be plenty of money for some and not enough for others. Um, also too, something we talk about with distribution rates in retirement is, uh, as you just said, we've got these other sources that might make 
contextually that distribution rate okay or not okay for somebody's situation. I think you have to consider too, if somebody is opting for a higher distribution rate, meaning like, let's say instead of their 3.3 or their four, they're specifically choosing based on their circumstances to start off at five or five and a half percent because they're doing that because they're delaying on something like social security or a pension that's going to kick in in a couple of years. Right. And, and so it may be a temporary, temporarily high distribution rate, which might be okay. Um, you can't just blanket say, and, and that's what this is. It's, it's right. a rule of thumb. So yeah. it's a great place to start from, but depending on, you can't just look talking, at it in a vacuum. Yeah, right. Exactly. You have to consider the reasons a distribution rate might be higher than that. It, you know, if you're temporarily doing it so you can, delay on social security until age 70, that might be better over the course of a 30 year retirement than uh, starting social security at the onset so that you're hitting, uh, you know, an arbitrary rule of thumb number like like 3.3 or 4% on a distribution rate. Right. That's going to do it for episode 384 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. You can't just throw a blanket over retirement and say, X percentage is going to be right for everyone because everyone's situation is different. So if you have questions about whether the 4% rule is, is right for you or any questions at all retain, pertaining to retirement strategies and how to withdraw your portfolio's assets, get in touch with us. Reach out to us. This is what we help folks with all the time. This is probably the biggest thing we help folks with all the time. So don't be afraid to reach out. And as always, thanks for listening. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.